Mamma Mia subscribers, you've been asking and we've been listening. Now you can get all of your exclusive subscriber audio on Apple Podcasts. That includes everything from bonus episodes of your favourite pods to exclusive segments to all of our audio series. To link your Mamma Mia subscription to Apple Podcasts, open the Mamma Mia Out Loud page in your Apple Podcasts app and follow the prompts or head to help.mamamia.com.au. You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. From Mamma Mia, welcome to The Spill, your daily pop culture fix. I'm Key Reese, And I'm Laura Brodnick. And uh, shout out to you because new mic, new you. I feel like our audio quality today is going to be A1. Yeah, I could barely listen to my own voice the last couple of days. So apologies, Spillers. We've worked it out. The new mic arrived. All is right with the world. At least inside this closet. Everything outside this closet is a mess. <laughs> yeah, it's literally the end of the world. Well, Lil Nas X's performance at the BET Awards on Sunday has been labelled historic, but all anyone can talk about today is Madonna's very controversial response. We're going to get into the drama and the very important story behind it all, but before we do that, we have the entertainment news headlines of the day. I have news. What's the hot gossip? I want more headlines. Well, kicking it off with some unfortunate news. So back in 2018, you might remember the story about actor Bill Crosby being convicted in a Pennsylvania court on three counts of aggravated indecent assault after a woman called Andrea Constand testified that he had drugged her and sexually assaulted her at his home in 2004. In that court case, there were five other women who also testified that he had assaulted them in similar circumstances, and at the conclusion of the case, he was sentenced to three to ten years in prison. Today, after serving more than two years of that sentence and being denied bail last month for refusing to participate in or complete a treatment program for sex offenders and violent prevention, the 83-year-old actor walked free on a technicality. So the technicality stemmed from a petition from Bill Cosby's lawyers to overturn his conviction. Now, two lower courts in Pennsylvania refused to do this, but then the Pennsylvania Supreme Court agreed to hear the case. The Supreme Court found that an agreement he made back in 2005 with a previous prosecutor in a civil suit with Andrea Constand meant that he couldn't be charged in the 2018 case. So Andrea Constand first went to this prosecutor who made an agreement to never prosecute Bill Cosby if he agreed to testify in the civil suit. He agreed to do so and admitted that he gave quaaludes to women he wanted to have sex with and also admitted to numerous extramarital affairs. He then settled in that civil case with Andrea Constand for a reported 3.38 million US dollars. Now in 2018, Bill Cosby's testimony from that civil case was used against him in the criminal trial where he was ultimately found guilty and sentenced for 3 to 10 years. Today, the Supreme Court of Pennsylvania found that agreement meant that he never should have been charged and ordered for his release from prison and barred any future prosecution on these specific charges. Altogether, 60 women have accused Bill Cosby of drugging and molesting them, allegations that his defence team have denied. It's important to note that this ruling does not change the guilty verdict. It is literally a loophole that a man with endless amounts of resources was able to find with the help of a legal team. 
Well, on to much less important but very hilarious news. The Fast and the Furious 9 is the biggest movie in the world right now and it's actually had the biggest opening weekend of any movie that's come out during this pandemic era. So people are really talking about it as a sign that big blockbusters are back. And obviously here at The Spill, we are big fans of this franchise. We had two of the leading ladies, Jordana Brewster and Natalie Emanuel, on an episode of The Spill. So as big fans, we're excited the movie is doing so well. But there's also something kind of happening behind the scenes that we thought was interesting to talk about. And that's the fact that... The Fast and the Furious franchise has been going on for more than 20 years, and during that time, there has been quite a few feuds, very public feuds, between the leading men on the film. So one of the biggest feuds is between Dwayne The Rock Johnson and Tyrese, who both star in the franchise, and their particular feud kicked off in 2017 when The Rock wanted to make a spin-off movie from the Fast and Furious franchise that was just based on his character. Key, I don't know if you saw this at the time, if you're kind of following the drama of these men, but Tyrese actually put this big statement up on his Instagram account where he said, I'm sorry to announce that if D-Wayne, so he's deliberately spelt his name wrong, which is kind of a bitchy move, but we <laughs> we appreciate it. Hey, if you're going to bitch about someone publicly, go all in. He's like, if Dwayne is in the Fast 9, there will be no more Roman Pierce. That's his character. You mess with my family and my daughter's survival, I will mess with yours. Close your eyes, dude. You're a clown. Hashtag candy ass bitch made. And then he went on to kind of say that he does something weird in the gym. Do you think you can go to the gym and get that big, that natural? That's not even the kind of snarkiest bit. The snarkiest bit is he posted with the caption a photo of him and Vin Diesel, who's obviously like the star of the movie with their arms around each other. And The Rock is kind of off to the side, but smiling in the photo. And his caption ends with, look who's got his arms around my shoulder and look who's standing alone to kind of show that he's like on the outside. Honestly, this is so petty. 13 year old girls could never (laughs) go this far. So in 2018, The Rock addressed Tyrese's feelings, telling Andy Cohen, the whole thing with Tyrese is pretty disappointing because I've been friends with him for a long time. As you know, I always feel like beef requires two people to actually jump in it. And it was really one-sided that he had voiced his opinion on social media. So I feel like that's very Taylor Swift, like, please exclude me from this narrative. I don't want to be a part of it. And then there was a bit more of beef back and forth. Basically, Tyrese kept going to his Instagram account to blame The Rock for trying to make the whole Fast and Furious franchise about him because he had that spin-off movie, which was kind of Hobbs and Shaw. Remember, we went to see it, yes. you were a big fan, yeah, yeah, which yeah. was kind of a catalyst for all of this and kind of breaking it apart and saying he had made all the franchise all about him. So the reason this is in the headlines now is that they've apparently made up. They had a four-hour phone conversation, which seems way too much, but maybe they had like a lot of Wow. And a lot of feelings to get through, you know. These men of the Fast and Furious franchise, they're quite in touch with their emotions, I would say. Like, you know, they're quick to let it out and quick to kind of shut it down. But at the same time as this feud's been going on through this huge movie franchise, Vin Diesel and The Rock, so Vin Diesel's like, arguably the star of the entire franchise, have also been having a feud. I can't even read this without laughing. It's so stupid. So in 2016, The Rock was clearly very angry at Vin Diesel and he put up in an Instagram post that he'd since taken down, some male co-stars conduct themselves as stand-up men and true professionals, while others don't. The ones who don't are too chicken shit to do anything about it anyway. Candy asses, which is candy ass bitches and candy asses seems to be like the preferred hate they're throwing each other over the decades which yeah, I, feel I don't like get could- this diss <laughs> I feel like they could do better than this it's so retro but anyway that's where we're at 
And then he wanted to say, when you watch this movie next April and it seems like I'm not acting in some of these scenes, my blood is legit boiling. You're right. So he's saying like in this whole huge kind of action franchise that he's a part of, he's not even acting because he's too angry at Vin Diesel. He didn't name Vin Diesel on that post, but Vanity Fair did a huge investigation and so did TMZ and they both linked that post to Vin Diesel. So what did Vin Diesel do to The Rock? This year, Vin Diesel did a men's health cover story and he said he needed to give a lot of tough love to The Rock to get his performance in the movie to where it needed to be. Oh, okay. The thing is, all these men are used to being on movie sets by themselves and being the star and having the movie be about them. So when you bring them together, I think it's just too many alphas on set. And instead of just sorting it out between themselves as like adults, they're all dissing each other on Instagram with like secret codes and calling each other candy ass bitches. It's just weird that no one really cares enough about these feuds. I think if it was a reverse situation and all of these leading ladies were having arguments, it would be in the narrative for ages and it would dominate any kind of release of a film, everything like that. Exactly, exactly. Because like Michelle Rodriguez, who's one of the stars of the film, confirmed that there was a feud. The Rock put up an Instagram post where he pointedly thanked everyone except Vin oh Diesel. My God. Like honestly, this is like this is like thirteen year old girl crap. I love it. So now, obviously, they're all putting out statements saying like everything's fine. But you're right. Why we thought it was interesting is that this has been bubbling away for years, and it does get some headlines, but it doesn't dominate the narrative around our biggest movie franchise the way it would if the female co-stars were fighting. And just look at other franchises that are built on more female relationships. Like, you can't talk about anything to do with Sex in the City. I know that was probably a bit more pointed, having that kind of one big post from Kim Cattrall against Sarah Jessica Parker. But these guys have posted some pretty pointed stuff about each other as well. And Sex in the City now, the legacy of that will only ever be dominated now by that feud, which before people even knew there was a feud between the co-stars on Sex in the City, it was already like for decades, like the coverage around it was so intense, like people were waiting for it to happen. And that just doesn't happen with male-led films. I think it's down to the fact that female feuds are bitchy, whereas I think people just think, oh, if guys are having feuds, they're just going to, like, duke it out or something, and it's not as interesting. But they're duking it out online. Like, it's pretty bloody interesting. It's pretty bitchy as well. So, obviously, we're still fans of the movies. And, look, also, they don't really care if we are or not because they're making millions upon millions of dollars at the box office, and there's two more Fast and the Furious movies still in production. So, I guess, like, one of the biggest movie franchises in the world will continue to kick along with this happening, but because it's men, we just won't talk about it. Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move, and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, Head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. On Sunday, rapper Little Nas X performed his hit song Montero Call Me By Your Name at the BET Awards held in Los Angeles. He ended the performance with a steamy kiss with one of his male backup dancers. And as the world celebrates Pride Month, his performance went viral with many calling it historic for same-gendered representation on a public platform and at an award ceremony that celebrates black excellence from a community known to be less welcoming to those identifying as LGBTQIA+. 
So while a good chunk of the world were out here celebrating, including myself, because honey, that viral moment was just so good, Madonna could only think of one thing, the fact that she hashtag did it first. So the Queen of Pop took to her Instagram stories yesterday to post a pic of Lil Nas X's BET Kiss alongside her 2003 MTV Music Video Awards Kiss with Britney Spears and obviously Christina, but Britney was just in this photo. Now, this post sparked immediate backlash with people very furious that the star had inserted herself into a very historic moment for black queer expression as a straight white cisgender woman. Yeah, and the kind of relevance around that, which maybe if you were just watching that one performance or you'd seen the photos might have escaped you, and it certainly did to me until I sort of got the context of it, is that Little Nas X actually tweeted about how daunting the performance was and how he felt going into it, saying, it took me a lot of time to mentally prepare for this performance. While on stage, I was trembling, knowing that I was performing something like that in front of my straight peers. Even during the performance, I was having a hard time calming my nerves. Thank you guys for the love. Because to a lot of us, like, you know, I could see that performance and be like, that looks amazing. Like, it's incredible. And it is all those things. But the stakes are so much higher for performers who are breaking down those barriers. Like, for them, it's not all just about cheering and clapping. Yeah, exactly. And I think that where the context really came for me on a deeper level was a post that I saw and sent immediately to you saying, we've got to discuss this on the show tomorrow. And it was Diet Prada. So they had reposted Madonna's pic and said, at Madonna, posting this because I saw recently that you follow us. Thanks for the follow. But white women kissing on a public platform, as you did at the 2003 VMAs, is hardly as revolutionary as a black queer man doing so. White cis people have always been given the space to do whatever they please, including but not limited to queer baiting. Need we remind you that you also appropriated voguing slash ballroom culture and built a legacy on top of a foundation that black, queer and trans folks laid. Yeah, and that's such an important point because even though a few people are saying like, oh, but Madonna's on a lot of barrier breaking and like, yes, to an extent for women in the music industry, she has. But I think the point about saying the stakes weren't as high for her as they were for Little Nas X in this case is really important. And also we didn't look at her performances through the lens we look at now. And I think it's okay to go back and say like, that kiss with Britney Spears was queer baiting. It doesn't diminish the other great stuff she's done in her career, but there's arguably some very questionable moments in her career and the different kind of musical tropes that she's taken to build her career that other people in that situation wouldn't have been able to. Yeah, I think people pointing out the fact that she's kind of benefited from lesbian fetishes and made a lot of money off that is accurate. You know, it doesn't cancel out the good work that she's done, but we also need to give recognition and think deeply and more critically about things that happen in front of us because there's a documentary that we both love on Netflix called Disclosure. We talked about it last year when it came out and it was produced by Laverne Cox and she stars in it along with a wide range of trans actors and creatives within Hollywood and in it they talk about Hollywood's representation and impact on the trans community and this is when I first kind of learnt about Vogue and Ballroom and that the actual origins of it. So Vogue as we know through Madonna, is like a move, right? But it actually is a stylized dance that originated in New York from ballroom scene in 1980s. And what I learned in this documentary was that the ballroom scene in New York was a real eclectic mix of performers from diverse backgrounds, but mainly almost like a landing 
space for mostly black and Latinx members of the LGBTQIA plus community who had been abandoned or forced to leave their home because of who they were by their families. So it was almost this community that formed and this amazing expression that came out of it. And at the time, during this time in the 80s, Madonna was kind of a rising star in New York and she would often go to these dance clubs and learn about voguing and made friends with a lot of the dancers from House of Extravaganza and two of those dancers from that kind of crew, Jose Gutierrez and Louis Extravaganza, really kind of taught her about Vogue and that eventually went on to inspire her hit single and she brought them on to choreograph the hit single and they ended up travelling the world with her. But as this kind of like rise of Voguing went from the underground to reaching kind of like the global stage, everyone's voguing and it's becoming very popular, but no one's really understanding the cultural significance of it. So that's where I think the pain kind of comes from when people in this community, in this marginalized community as well, if you're a black indigenous person of color who also belongs to the queer community, you're really seeing it as quite a painful thing because she's not understanding the significance of it. She's stamping her ownership on it and saying she did it before, where the reasons that she was doing it was completely different to what Lil Nas X was bringing to that stage at this award ceremony. Yeah, exactly. Because I think the important thing to remember about that Madonna, Britney, Christina, MTV moment is that that was only a big crowd pleaser and only accepted because people knew they were straight. Like if people found out that Madonna and Britney Spears were part of the gay community, they were dating with an age difference and they actually identified identified as gay performers, they would have faced huge backlash and they wouldn't have been allowed on those stages. Like, you know, back then, like it was only a couple, like a decade ago or so, but even back then that wouldn't have been okay and they both would have suffered for it. But because everyone knew it was just performative and they weren't part of those communities, that's what gave them a pass to do this. And also, interestingly, as this kind of Madonna, Little Nas X thing is bubbling up, people are likening it to the Courtney Love, Olivia Rodrigo drama that we talked about the other day of Olivia Rodrigo copying Courtney Love's album cover and I was like you know what it's just not the same it's not. thing it shouldn't even be in the realm of because what they're trying to say is oh these older performers are trying to shut down these younger performers because they're in the spotlight but I think they have two very different conversations one is about two white straight women leaning into the same creative kind of narrative and that's one thing but this is a completely different conversation about who's allowed to perform on those stages. Oh definitely I think if you wanted to give a recent example in pop culture of this happening we can think about Miley Cyrus you know in 2010 at the MTV Awards twerking up on stage and everyone's like oh my god Miley Cyrus is you know she invented twerking and it's like No, 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 no. This also (laughs) came from the black community, black queer community, I should say. And even when I was listening to that Christina video that we referenced yesterday for W Magazine of her talking about her greatest video clips and she talked about Dirty, you know, that amazing song, which, oh, my God, I don't think I should have been dancing the way I was dancing to that at 12. But, you know, it was good. It was freeing. But she talked about the fact because in Dirty they are twerking and she's like, oh, like it was something a lot of my black backup dancers had been doing for years and we there wasn't even a name for it back then and I think that like that even just kind of got into my head like you know no one is ever talking about the origins of things but everyone is so ready to take credit for things and it's so painful for people that just don't get the same kind of recognition for inventing things and it's I mean it goes way deeper than that it's racial it's about sexual orientation or sexual 
preference. So it should also be noted, right, that Lil Nas X did come out today and tweeted, me and Madonna are friends, it's just a joke. And like, I think that he almost just wanted to kind of put a pin in it and be like, let's just be done with it and let's go back to talking about how good my performance is, which it definitely is. But I think that it's good for us to think critically about that and to be a little bit outraged by it because there's a lot of history there and Madonna, she's had enough. Just stop taking more (laughs) from the up-and-coming rising artists who are breaking barriers. Exactly. And I love how every generation thinks that they have a different, and to an extent they do, every generation has a better and a more woke take on it. But we're seeing the same story right now play out against the youths, the youngins on TikTok, where all these white women are getting famous for doing these dance moves that were started by people yes, in the black community. Yes, such a good point. And we saw that very recently with Addison Ray going on late night talk shows and she's now the star of movies and she's making millions of dollars and she was doing all these dance moves. And then she was very rightly called out by people saying like those were all done by black creators and none of them are getting spots on TV shows and it's the same with like Dixie and Charlie D'Amelio like all these young women who are the biggest TikTok stars in the world who have all taken moves from black creators but because those black creators aren't invited onto those global stages it's only these women who are rising to the top so I think it's important to note like this isn't an old time kind of cultural issue it's an issue that's happening right now with a new generation they have a new platform but the same problem. Oh yeah for sure and quite recently those black creators on TikTok went on strike. Megan The Stallion was bringing out um, a new single and often the record companies would take them to those black creators and kind of give them the music first to create a dance to then make a viral moment and obviously drive sales of the song and reach of the song and they were like no we're not going to do it because we don't actually get anything from that. It's the white creators who then get the credit for it and as you say get all of those opportunities. So it's so interesting. I'm glad you brought up that point because it just proves that it's happening on all levels. Like it's happening, you know, on big stages in front of people, but it's also, you know, happening in other people just trying to get a break when others are getting like pushed up and getting so much out of it for not doing the work and not actually owning the creative. Even though Little Nas X is okay with it, we do really need to think more about these things and give credit where credit's due. Well, thank you so much for listening to The Spill today. Did you know you can email us? Are you seeing something that we're not thinking critically about that you think we should be thinking about and talking about on The Spill? Obviously, entertainment and pop culture related, please. No random suggestions. You can email us at thespill at mamamia.com.au. We're always looking for suggestions because sometimes celebs go into hiding and we don't have anything to talk about. That's the truth. This episode of The Spill was produced by Laura Brodnick and Maddie Joanu with audio production by Leah Porges. We'll see you at mamamia.com.au. Bye. Bye. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of the land we have recorded this podcast on, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures.